Well, on this Christmas morning, we're going to turn our attention to the passage that was read for us. In particular, we're going to focus on just one verse, uh, verse 19 of that passage, which says, But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And I trust that from that message and passage, we're going to draw vital lessons for all of us here and watching online at home for us this Christmas morning. As we'll see in a moment, Mary has had quite the crazy year. And we'll see from our verse in Luke's Gospel, Mary's behavior in the middle of that crazy year is something that we will do well to pay attention to at the end of our own crazy year that's been 2020. Now, you might choose to call 2020 many other things besides crazy. Whatever you were thinking this year would look like a year ago, I'm quite confident to say that it's been a very different year for you and for all of us. And even though this Christmas is very likely different to what you were originally thinking and hoping it may be, as we celebrate this joyful holiday of the birth of our Savior, Lord Jesus, I trust that we will hear from something in this passage something to serve and nourish our souls. Of course, any year has its fair share of the usual ups and downs of life. Um, But the COVID pandemic has certainly accelerated the roller coaster that we've all experienced one way or another. And perhaps for you, that's affected you in many different ways. Uh, For some, I'm sure, it has affected you most through school and what that's looked like. For some, even uh, graduation in the summer. For some, it may have been how special occasions have been uh, marked or celebrated. Maybe a wedding, maybe the celebration of a birth, maybe a significant birthday. For others, it has been how tragedy has been heaped upon tragedy, as you have been limited in how you've been able to care for one who is in suffering and close to you. Maybe it's been how you have had to bear with a death remotely. Maybe it's simply the suspension of family vacations, maybe a redirection in the pursuit of jobs or careers, maybe relationships, and certainly even here in our own church services and church ministries. Well, as we look back some 2,000 years to the birth of Christ, we see a young Mary who's had a a year of tremendous ups and downs. Most of them unexpected and many of them that wouldn't have been her choice or her preference. The year started out looking really good. She was betrothed to be married to a very nice and upright man named Joseph, a nice family in Nazareth and a kind of nice family life ahead of her. But then she had this very frightening and very unexpected encounter with the angel Gabriel, which we read about in Luke chapter 1, which is full of wonderful and exciting news, but it means that Mary is now pregnant with God's child. And it doesn't seem to matter how much explaining she does, Joseph, although he was a gracious man, seemed like he was not going to accept Mary's version of events and planned to divorce her quietly, leaving Mary to contemplate what life would be like as an unmarried teenage mum. And not only that, but she could fill her minds with imagining the gossip and the looks of neighbors and family. But another angelic encounter, 
we read about in chapter 1 of Matthew's Gospel, leads Joseph to accept Mary and go through with marrying her. So already they've had quite the roller coaster engagement. But for them, the ride doesn't stop there, as we know. I'm not sure if Mary had a birth plan or if they had birth plans in those days, but if she did, I'm sure it went right out of the window. Rather than being helped by family and friends and being uh, able to give birth in the familiar settings of her home, a government decree for a census towards the end of her pregnancy dramatically derailed whatever plans she had. So instead of giving birth in the peaceful time and having a peaceful time in the lead up to the birth in her home, a chance to rest, to gather her strength just before the birth, Mary has to take the long and perilous 90-mile journey with Joseph from Nazareth in Galilee to Bethlehem in Judea, a journey which would have taken them um, a week or more. And when they get there, it's not staying in the, Hul- in the Hilton. The town's so busy with travelers, there's no place for them to stay other than the annex to an inn where the animals are kept. And I'm sure as she looked around that location, she's thinking, this is not what I had planned for my firstborn. There was no proper crib for the baby, just a manger, an animal's feeding box. A a far cry from what Mary envisioned based on Gabriel's description of this boy being called son of the Most High and receiving the throne of David. And what would Mary want to do after having given birth? I think any mum knows the answer to that. Feed baby and have a nap. Well, instead, she gets visited by a bunch of strange, strange guys from the, from the fields, shepherds. No who, idea who they are, but they seem to want to fuss over her newborn and then share these stories of visions of glorious angels. And that we know from the rest of the gospel accounts, the roller coaster doesn't end for Mary there. Rather than being able to return then to the comfort of her own home and to her family in Nazareth to show off her newborn baby, there's going to be another round of strange visitors, this time bringing expensive and exotic gifts to honor the child. So I'm sure that was very exciting. But that is immediately followed by another angelic vision warning Joseph and then a flight to Egypt for fear for their son's life, because the king is out to kill him. And then they stay there for some time before it is safe to return to Nazareth. So verse 19 of chapter 2 of Luke comes in the middle of a roller coaster year for Mary. And although for each of us our roller coaster doesn't look quite the same with the same ups and downs as Mary's, we can still listen and learn from Mary's heart in the middle of her ride. You see, verse 19 doesn't say how Mary was freaking out. It doesn't say how she was quite ready to put this year behind her. And it doesn't say how she was growing increasingly cynical that every silver lining was attached to a rather nasty storm cloud. Instead, we read that Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. That treasuring up means that Mary didn't leave these experiences to get lost or to be intentionally dismissed, but she was deliberate to reflect on them, to savor them and to store them up carefully within her. And pondering them 
The, verse, the verb is a present active verb. It was a word meaning this wasn't just a one-time reflection of, of event, events, but Mary kept keeping them in her mind. And she wasn't simply memorizing and rehearsing facts to pass some history quiz or in case somebody wanted to write these down for posterity in the future. She was pondering these in her heart, keeping the meaning of these events in her heart and allowing them to inform her soul. And that meaning, that nourishing of her soul, is the reason Mary praised God in the words of the Magnificat in Luke chapter 1, where she says, His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. Mary knew that there was significance to all of these events. As confusing and as disconcerting as they may have appeared on the surface, they were actually part of God's plan to show mercy to his people and send the promised Savior. In the middle of all these ups and downs, Mary knew that it was a glorious reality that was being revealed through those ups and downs and that deserved to be treasured and had deserved a thorough ongoing reflection that yielded peace and delight for her soul. Now, sitting here this morning, we may well say, well, that's all very well for Mary, but she does have an unfair advantage over us, after all. She was there to see and experience these things firsthand. I'm sure that seeing the angel Gabriel makes a lasting impression. It's easy for her, surely, to treasure and ponder these things, but for us living in 2020, these events are more remote and more removed. Perhaps things we remember once a year at Christmas, but not really sufficient to lead us in constant reflection. But the scriptures would actually say it's the other way around. It is actually us who has the advantage over Mary. Because we have the complete revelation of God's mercy, the complete story, as it were, of God's plan for salvation for his people laid out for us in the entirety of God's word. At this point in the story, as we've read it this morning, Mary was treasuring God's promises, but she had an incomplete picture, an incomplete story. And it was that that she was treasuring in her heart. Dear friends, this morning, we are blessed, truly blessed to have the complete story of God's plan for mercy revealed to us. We have the full gospel accounts. We have the complete New Testament writings. We have all the Old Testament that foretells God's plan for salvation, all of which combine together to complete the story and lay out the full treasure of God's gospel for his people through his son, Jesus Christ. And even Luke himself, he opens his gospel account for his reader, saying in verse 4 of chapter 1, that he wrote this, that you may have certainty concerning the things that have been taught. That applies to us as his readers today. That in all the ups and downs of 2020, this Christmas we can have certainty in the plan of God as we ponder on God's word and treasure up the good news of the gospel. The good news that God the Son came, took on human form, that he lived the life of his own, experienced his own roller coaster of life with its own 
ups and downs, and yet he did all of that without sin, without turning aside from God to trust in things in the world or to abandon and and despair altogether. But rather, he trusted his father. He trusted his father all the way up to and including at the cross, where he hung, pierced for sins, not his own, but for yours and for mine. Bearing the full measure of God's punishment for disobedience, for rebellion that you and I deserved. And in a marvelous display of Jesus' victory over the the deepest lows of life, of sin and over death, he rose to the greatest heights, to glorious new life, and ascended to the right hand of God the Father where he waits in power. And he grants forgiveness and new life and his spirit to all who would repent and turn to him, trusting in him and him alone as Savior and Lord. And in the final chapter of this story, which is already written, but not yet revealed, Christ will come again to dwell with his people, and us with him in the fullness of peace and of joy. Now I sincerely hope for all of you this morning that there are many aspects of today that you can treasure Time with close family or friends, the giving and receiving of gifts, chance for a rest, enjoying good food. I also expect that there are many aspects of today which won't be so great for you and for myself. They won't be what we had hoped for, perhaps. Mary reminds us that God's intention is not for us to place our hope in one or despair over the other. Perhaps with so much of what we are used to and what we hoped for being thrown up into the air this year, God is using this time to help us to see more clearly and cherish more dearly that certain treasure which does not change. Rather, the treasure who does not change. The treasure who God intends to be our chief treasure. Jesus Christ a treasure to enjoy both now in this life and for eternity in the one to come. Christmas gives us an opportunity to deliberately ponder in our hearts the full treasure of God's gift to us in the gospel of his Son and to know God's peace and joy. So I encourage all of us, individually, as families and with friends, Allow your treasuring and pondering of God's gift to go beyond just this service this morning. Reflect and ponder on the fullness of God's gifts to you in Jesus Christ. Especially today, but always. And pray together and rejoice together and give thanks. And may his peace and his joy fill you afresh. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your words to us that tell us the birth of our Savior and all that holds for us, the fullness of his life, his perfect life, and his perfect sacrifice. We thank you that this holds tremendous meaning and treasure for us who would turn to him, looking to him alone for his death as our only means of being made right with you, for forgiveness and for new life in his new life. I pray this morning that you would grant us that sure hope that comes from the certainty of these things and that we would look with great joy and peace and anticipation to his return. 
glorify your name this day, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.